0: Lord, let us stay in this place of worship now as we open your word, that we would sense your gentle whispers as we consider the things you have told us through the Apostle Paul. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Welcome to worship this morning. It's good to be with you. It's a privilege to worship the Lord together, and if you're joining us online today, my name is Dennis, and we'll be continuing in worship as we open the Word of God, and we're going to start in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. So if you can uh, turn in your Bibles to that uh, section of Scripture. This morning, uh, we're continuing in our series on spiritual gifts, and we're going to be looking at the gift of giving And our text this morning is very straightforward, uh, and Paul refers to the gift of giving, and he says, uh, if you are giving, give generously. If you are giving, give generously. So we're going to unpack that together this morning, and uh, today what I really want to do is I want to take us on a journey of the heart in the next 35 minutes or so, uh, from the world which is full of anxiety and scarcity and selfishness into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus which is full of abundance and joy and uh, fullness. So this morning, that, that's our journey as we think about this gift of giving, and this gift of giving is like all the other gifts available and invites all of us to participate in, but it also uh, comes in different layers, in different intensities, so we're going to be taking a look at that, and uh, as I think about the kingdom of God and the world, again, I'm, I'm thinking of this journey, the world is all about buying And selling. But the kingdom of God is all about giving and receiving. It's a huge difference. It's a mindset shift, it's a worldview, it's a way of thinking. So that's our our journey this morning to take a trip through the journey of giving. And uh, I want to just acknowledge a couple of people this morning, uh, three people specifically. First of all, I want to uh, acknowledge and encourage Burr and Terry Robinson, who celebrated their 40th anniversary this week, 48th, I'm sorry, 58th, 58th, there's always more, there's always more, 58th, 58th, all right, my mistake. But I just wanted to say, uh, Burr and Terry are two of the most generous people I know, not only with their finances, not only with their home, with their relationships, uh, but also in their way that they serve uh, here and in our city and in many places through their extended family. So just as we think about giving and generosity, I just want to acknowledge you two and bless you, and uh, I just want to pray over you. So, Father, we thank you for Burr and Terry, 58 years. And, Lord, I ask now that as they continue their journey, you would continue to encourage them and pour yourself out through them, that they would continue to be uh, your servants, uh, moving uh, in generosity uh, and transforming all that they come into contact with. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. And I also want to acknowledge somebody who's not in the room, but she is online thanks to her shepherding elder, Tom Dewey, uh, our good friend, Thelma White, uh, who uh, is 90, uh, is, is, been joining in, uh, is joining in this morning. Thelma is another one of these gems of our congregation. You've heard me talk about her before, but she is incredibly generous. Uh, in the way that she invests in the kingdom through our congregation, the way she serves her family and has served her family, the way that she serves this body of believers, and her service in prayer, which is quite amazing. And uh, uh, she has been able to join in this morning uh, because of Tom's uh, IT skills, and I believe uh, they are there now. So what I would like to do, I was reading in Leviticus 19 yesterday, and it says in verse 32, stand in the presence of the aged. So what we're going to do is, if you would just stand, Uh, the cameras are going to pan over. You can turn back to the cameras, one on the right, one in the middle here, uh, one on the left, and just uh, let's give Thelma a, a warm good morning and waving and encouraging her. All right, I think the cameras are coming around here now. All right, and then over here. All right, thank you for joining in on that. And uh, Father, I thank you for Thelma. I thank you for her example in our midst. And I ask now, Lord, as she uh, continues to worship with, uh, with us, that you would uh, just fill her with your presence and encourage her along as she continues her journey. And I do that in Jesus' name, amen. Yes. I visited Wow. All right, so Terry, for those of you who couldn't hear that, Terry Robinson just wanted to uh, recount a recent visit with Thelma. Uh, Thelma remembered her name and everything about her family and so forth, and Terry asked her the secret of her memory, and Thelma replied, and you have a wonderful accent, Thelma. I love your accent. It must be the apples. (laughs) So eat your apples, people, if you want to... Have a great memory. Eat your apples. All right. Okay. So uh, today's message is on Romans twelve eight is going to be in five parts. The first part I just want to speak to the source of all the giving, which is the generosity of God. Secondly, I want to take out of this uh, verse twelve uh, verse eight of chapter twelve the the calling. God has put a specific calling on us in our giving, uh, and it's the calling of generosity. Then third, I want to outline six principles of giving that we can get from the Word of God. There are more, but I'm going to highlight six this morning. And then I want to talk about the practicalities of giving. And the practicalities of giving, I'm going to talk about five kinds of givers. And uh, I'm going to encourage us all to take a step forward uh, to, the next, to the next step in, in our journey of giving uh, as we think about this with the Lord. So let me pray. Uh, and then, of course, we'll have a time of, uh, of ministry and worship where we uh, ask God to speak to us individually about this. So, Father, as we think about giving, we begin with you, the source of all giving. Lord, we contemplate your call on us to be generous. Lord, share with us today the principles of giving from your word. And Lord, help us in the practical application of this in our type of giving. And Lord, speak to each and every one of us by your spirit. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus says in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. This is a saying of Jesus that doesn't appear in the Gospels. It's something that he spoke to the Apostle Paul, which is recorded in the book of Acts. But Jesus actually lived this statement uh, in spades. And as I think about uh, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I think about the overwhelming generosity that they have modeled for us. And I just want to go back, and as we, we look at the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation, we can see that God gave us the breath of life. He gave us the very breath we're taking right now. He gave us uh, a creation to live in, a beautiful creation. Even though we've messed it up thoroughly and polluted it, it's still, we see still glimpses of the beauty of the creation. We were in uh, Myrtle Beach last week and we had these amazing sunrises uh, overlooking the beach. Uh, Amazing sunrises and the, the massiveness of the ocean and just the beauty of the created order. But he also made us in his image. He gave us his image. That all the abilities we have, all the intellectual horsepower we have, all the emotions we have, all the uh, mechanical abilities we have, all these things that enable us to live and create, he gave us all of that. There's nothing that we can say, uh, I did it my way. I pulled myself up from my bootstraps. Because every single thing we have to work with uh, in in living our lives, has come from him. And he gave us his word, initially to the Jewish people and then now to the whole world. He's given us his word. He's given us access to himself in prayer. He has given us, in these most recent days, his son. His one and only son. His very prized possession, He gave to us. Jesus came. And at the very heart of giving is John 3.16. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever should believe in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came and modeled a life of loving, sacrificial giving. You think about him being born as we studied at Christmas time in a smelly barn and working uh, with his father in the family business, sweating, toiling, uh, knowing at all points what it was like to be tempted and never once sinning. And then going to the cross for you and me. We all have have sinned, and and we've all fallen short of the glorious standard that God set for those who would be with him in eternal life. And only Jesus closes that gap. And by just the simple act of faith and placing our trust in him, we have access to this glorious reality that all of our sin, all of our selfishness, all of our shortfall, all of our relational issues and breakdowns, all of our selfishness, everything is covered by the blood of Christ. That instead of going and receiving the punishment that we deserve, Christ took it for us at great cost to himself. Imagine him on the cross, naked, being insulted, spit on, and dying a slow asphyxiation death on the cross. Six hours of total torture. Not only that, not only that, but the enemy taunting him the whole time and the father turning his back on him and pouring out his wrath on him the whole time. So total spiritual, physical, emotional, just absolute, absolute destructive punishment for you and me. If there's anyone here today who has not taken that gift from Jesus of his entire life and death and applied it and applied all that blood to their sin, I just want to encourage you today that the greatest gift of all is the gift of this imputed righteousness that we receive. When Christ takes our sin, we get his righteousness. It's the only way to please God. It's the only way to have eternal life. It's the only way to have the abundant life that Christ came to give us. But this is the giving nature of God. And not only that, when he rose from the grave on the third day, he continued to bless and encourage and challenge his disciples. He taught about his kingdom for 40 days and then he ascended into heaven. And God said in the ascension, when he came back to his right hand in heaven, God was fully satisfied with everything that he did. And he sat down at the right hand of his father. And his intention in the end is to bring all of that glory and give it to his father, to hand the kingdom over to the father. That is generosity. That is the heart of God. That is the heart of the son Jesus. That's the heart of the father. And not only that, But then he poured out the Holy Spirit so that we could have the very presence of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in us and the power in us to live. Not the way we would live, but the way he lived and enable us in the end to practice all the gifts that we have been given all the spiritual gifts that were poured out by the Spirit, all the gifts we've studied since September, every single one given to us. And Paul reflects this in the letter to the Romans because in verse 3 of chapter 12, he says, by the grace given to me, and in verse 6, he says, by the grace given to each one of us, these gifts have been poured out. So this entire series has been a weekly reminder of the generosity of God. Because we've been studying gifts. This is like the endless Christmas where we're opening gift after, gift after gift after gift after gift after gift after gift and we are rejoicing each step of the way because those are all given to us out of the abundance and the generosity of God. And they equip us to be able to live. This, this is the source of generosity. This is the model of generosity. And the, if that's not enough... He then gave us the gospel to be able to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus' punishment, our, on, on our, punishment taken on our account and righteousness given to us by faith. We now have the incredible privilege of sharing that actual gospel with everyone around us. The greatest gift of all. And if that wasn't enough, and I'm going to stop at this point, Look at Matthew 6.33, where he says, Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all the things you need will be given to you. Think about that promise, because that reflects the ongoing eternal generosity of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is the reason and the, the only shot we have at being generous. Because of what he has done for us. And in verse 8, he gives us the super clear calling that he wants us to be generous. He says, if it is giving, then give generously. And there uh, is is what I want to unpack now, this calling. So the source of all the giving, we got that clear? All right, now let's unpack the calling to be generous. And you'll notice that we're, we we are going to mention the tithe, and we are going to talk about some things, but I want, I want us to see that the overall message of God is radical generosity. Radical generosity. Uh, We, we can see where the tithe fits into that. That's certainly an Old Testament concept, but in the New Testament, in the life of Christ, we are talking about radical generosity, which is why he brings that point up. So, the, the generosity is, is the giving, and to do it generously. Now, there's two key words there. Uh, under the giving word, that's actually a little bit of a different word than the word, God so loved the world, he gave his only son. It's a special form of the word giving. And it, it literally means to give from within. It, it, it implies a giving of, a giving of oneself. It, it, it implies more than money. In this context, I do think it's about money. But the word only occurs in five places in the New Testament. So let me just quickly review those so you get a feel for this the meaning of this word. So in, in Luke 3.11, John the Baptist is walking uh, and is is talking to those that are asking him, how do, I, how do I live this life? And he says, if you have an extra shirt, give it to somebody. He also says, if you have extra food, give it to somebody. So in John the Baptist's situation, he's talking about radical generosity coming through the practicalities of food and clothing. In Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Paul uses that word, and he says, as he writes to the Roman Church, "I want to come and impart to you a spiritual blessing." So in that case, it's, it's, it refers to spiritual blessing. Then in the third place is in Romans 12:8, the text we're looking at today. The next place you see it is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 38. Uh, is it 38? No, 28. And there, Paul is admonishing the person who has been stealing to smarten up, get a job, work hard, so you have something left over to share. So there, the, the context is a person who's been a sinner, saved by grace, transitioned from a thief into a a person who becomes a sharer, a person who produces and lives on less than they need, less than they have, so they can share. That is a, that is a really important part of this, is the deliberate lifestyle transformation that uh, organizes your life around the idea of being able to share with others. And then the last place it occurs is in uh, second, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, where Paul says, We didn't just bring the gospel to you, we gave you our very lives. So it's the idea of giving your life away. So from all of that, I conclude that this word means our time, our treasure, our finances, and our talents, and our spiritual talents, our spiritual gifts. So that even though we look at the context of this passage and he's clearly talking about finances and I'm going to focus a little bit on the financial giving side, I don't want us to lose the overall idea that he wants us to be like him. He wants us to experience the joy and the power of living a life of generosity. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's the, the calling of, of giving. Now let's look at the calling of generosity, of generously. It actually is another word that appears about 10 times, and it's, I'm not going to run through all of them, but it talks about the, the hand, the actual act of giving, it talks about the heart of giving, and it talks about the mind of giving, and it does it like this. In, in terms of the hand, it says, look, give, and this, by the way, this is all different translations of this verse have, have been used. Translators have looked at all different nuances. So, quickly, liberally, richly, and generously. So that, that's the the, the the hand of the gift. The, let's be generous. Uh, you know, God talks about, Jesus talks about in Luke 6, about uh, a measure that's overflowing and shaken and put in your lap. Like, you know, when Boaz gives Ruth six uh, ephahs of barley to bring home to her mother-in-law, and she's literally holding her veil out. We're talking about 36 pounds of, of barley, That's a generous measure. That's that's the context of what he's talking about here. Then the heart. The heart is that it would be sincere. That it would be uh, cheerful and willing. You know, we, we get the word sincere. It literally means without wax. In the old days, if a pot was cracked, they'd put some wax on it and cover over it. And it would be fine until it got hot out and then the wax would melt. Sincere means without wax. No, no fanfare. No, you know Jesus talks about the, the the Pharisees and how they give with great fanfare. No, 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 no. It's sincere, cheerful, willing. And then the mind, the giving is freely, freely you have received, freely give, simply, and no strings attached. And that is the 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 compound meaning of that word. Haplotes. So you're giving. You're giving from yourself of your time, talent, and treasure and you're doing it generously in your hands, in your mind, and in your heart. So that's the call to us of of generous uh, giving. And, you know, the call is to be ready at all times to give what I tell you to give. So that comes back to the ongoing conversation with God, not only about our giving, but about everything, and being ready to hear the call of God on our lives. That's the call to the giver. Now, let's go to part three, which is let's talk about some principles of giving that we find in other parts of the Scripture as we look you at know, just one short little verse. We need to get some flavor for, okay, what... What are the principles of giving? And I'm going to share six. There are more, but I'm going to share six. Number one, Psalm 24, verse 1, right? The earth and everything in it belongs to the Lord. So the first principle of giving is it's actually everything we have isn't ours. It's His. It belongs to Him. For 70 or 80 or 90 years, we get to steward Some clothing, some money, some housing, some children, uh, and then we're gone. And in the meantime, it all belongs to him. You know, uh, what did Jesus say on that coin? You know, who's on here? Caesar. Okay, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. What is God? The God is the everybody who bears his image belongs to him. So everyone belongs to him. Everything belongs to him. It's all his. And even Caesar is a temporary steward. So that's principle number one. And that's really important when we come to the end of the service. We're going to be acknowledging that reality. But I'm going to have you put everything on the altar. As an exercise so that you understand, yes, this is all God's. All right? So that's first principle. Second principle is you can't outgive God. In Malachi uh, 3.10, the prophet says on behalf of the Lord, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. It's the only time in the Bible it's okay to test God. It's to test God in this matter of giving. And he says, uh, I'm going to outgive you. You can try hard as you like, but I'm going to outgive you. And this principle, we see a lot in Scripture. Remember the widow of Zarephath in the time of Elijah. And there was no food. He had called down a famine on the land and he told her to take a jar of flour and a jug of oil. And it says that that jar of flour and that jug of oil never emptied during the entire time of the three and a half years of the, of the famine in the land called by the prophet Elijah. And this is the experience that uh, dozens of people over the 18 years I've been here, have testified that when they seek the Lord and they begin tithing, they experience a blessing. And by the way, it's not always more money. In one case, the process of tithing led to the salvation of all the children in that family over a period of seven years. The salvation of all the children. So this is not. I don't hear, hear me now. I am not preaching a prosperity gospel. Amen. I am not telling you if you give, uh, you will get more. I am telling you that if you give, you will be so full of blessing, that you won't be able to imagine what God can do in your heart, in your life. Amen. And 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 if salvation comes along, don't be surprised. Another, uh, another man I was emailing with this past week, uh, Jack Painter, who was a member of our congregation for about 10 years. Seven years ago, he sought the Lord after a message, something like this, about tithing. And he began to tithe, and he began to tithe faithfully. It changed his relationship with God. It also began to change his relationship with his family members. And he did say that as surprised as he was, his income increased significantly during that seven-year period to the point where he could now give more than that and still come out ahead. So I just say this to say, and, and, and there's another member of our congregation, Mike Combs, who has testified before that when he uh, was learning how to tithe, he would go to his bank account and there would be more money in the bank than he had before. Now, I don't know if that was his customers paying their bills or whatever, but he experienced the widow of Zarephath in this constant uh, process of giving more. And you can talk to him about it. He's he's excited to share about it because it changed his life. So you cannot outgive God. Principle number three is about the inviolate law of sowing and reaping. This is a theme that goes throughout Scripture and that uh, is echoed by the, uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians 9. He says, Remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Please note, give what you have to give. Don't give what you don't have to give, right? So give what you have to give, what you've decided, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, but cheerfully. The word there, cheerful, is hilarious, hilarion. is where we get the English word hilarious. Be a a hilarious giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And this is a little bit like you can't outgive God, God, uh, but this idea is that if you sow generously, you will reap generously. When you reap, part of what you're reaping is seed for the next sowing, right? So this is what he's saying. There's a virtuous circle Of giving that comes that enables a constant process of sowing and reaping another uh, friend of mine uh, who i interacted with on email this week uh, has been growing in his faith and uh, i asked him how has this affected your giving and as he shared back he said not only am i growing in my faith not only am i growing in my purity in my life, but I'm also growing in my giving. And the idea that if we sow into the Lord by faith, then we will reap spiritual blessing. Um, he said that he recently began to lead a Bible study. So this is, this is the, the continuous process where we, we grow and grow and grow, we harvest, we sow in again, we harvest, we sow in again, and we find ourselves over time growing spiritually, growing emotionally, and growing in our ability uh, to be a blessing to others. So that is, that is the principle of sowing and reaping a rich relationship with God. Now... Uh, Principle number four is the tithe. That's a real thing, but it's only a starting point. Jesus said to the Pharisees in Luke 11:42, 42, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs. And you can bet they were giving a tenth of all the other stuff as they were following the law to the T. But he says to them, you neglect justice and the love of God. And he says to them, you should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So Jesus affirms the tithe as a starting point. He affirms that 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 is a very basic beginning point. But he also says, but don't stop there. Keep going in the matters of justice and the love of God. In other words, become a giver that is so full of the right what is the right next step? It is so full of the love of God that they're going beyond the tithe. In, in the American church today, Christian income in the United States is $5.2 trillion per year. That's the estimated total income of all the Christians in the United States. The giving in the United States is $130 billion which is about 2.5% on average. If the church tithed, that would release $390 billion of giving that would, I believe, transform the landscape of the gospel in the United States and in the world. We're already very generous in our giving to missions uh, generally, and specifically in this church, but moving, moving the, these numbers. So the tithe is a good starting point, but it is only a starting point. And Jesus is saying, let's go further and let's get uh, further into the love of God, which, of course, is exemplified by Jesus. Now, uh, I can think of a very practical thing. And that is kind of what I would call the 80-10-10. If we could live on 80% of what we earn, if we could save 10%, and if we could give 10%, as again, as a starting point, that would be a very common sense, a very uh, biblical way to start the process if you're just starting out in life i challenge you on that if you're further along then obviously you're going to be further along and you're going to be doing things differently but that is a very basic thing to to start at least this is how we started with our kids and training to to think about how to handle money all right principle number five is generosity get this now this is really important generosity uh, is a okay? I got a I got a thing clicking here. Somebody had a one of the worship team. So f- principle number five is generosity is an antidote for fear. Antidote for fear. Let me prove that to you. Let me prove that to you. If you are all worried about money, were anxious about anything almost generosity will fix that here's what the psalmist says in Psalm 112 good will come to those who are generous and lend freely who conduct their affairs with justice surely the righteous will never be shaken they will be remembered forever they will have no fear of bad news their hearts are steadfast trusting in the Lord their hearts are secure They will will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. And earlier in the psalm, it says, Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. And remember, when we think about wealth, we're talking about a lot of things. We're talking about relational wealth. We're talking about intellectual wealth. We're talking about, of course, financial wealth, spiritual wealth. We're talking about this fullness that comes. So generosity is an antidote for fear. The testimony I want to bring here is from uh, Renee Lockie, and She's a gynecologist and obstetrician. Um, who currently works in Colorado. But several years ago, she was running, and this is when God talks to her. She was running, and she heard the Lord say to her, work like a doctor, live like a nurse. So she went and researched it, and sure enough, the average salary of an OBGYN back at this time was $280,000 a year. And the average salary of a nurse was $70,000 a year. So this lady, for the last 11 years, has been living on 25% of her income and giving the rest to Christian mission and Christian uh, advancements in the gospel. So this, this is a, a, a person who has moved into a, a generosity that not everybody can do, but she felt called from the Lord. And that's why it's so important to listen to God, to do what he wants us to do. This is not a formula. This is not something you're going to hear from the front. This is something you're going to hear from the Lord. And, and so her story is amazing. Uh, and the joy that she has and the testimony she has is incredible. And also I want to mention one other example, and it is uh, from two men. Leonard Dober and David Nietzsche. On October 8th of 1732, having been part of the Moravian community, uh, they left and sailed out of Copenhagen for the Dutch West Indies. And they basically they, they tried to sell themselves into slavery so they could preach the gospel to the slaves of these, of these uh, islands in the Caribbean. But they, they, no one would let a white person sell themselves into slavery. So one was a potter, and the other one was a carpenter, and they went. And they went and preached the gospel, and as they were leaving the port at Copenhagen, they yelled out to their families that the lamb would receive the full reward of his suffering. And they gave their lives to the gospel enterprise, to bring the gospel. Fast forward, they became bishops in the Moravian church after a couple of decades over there, and they, they had 13,000 baptisms, these two guys, before any other missionaries came to the West Indies, 1732. And this was all fueled by the Moravians' prayer, 100 years of 24-7 prayer that began in 1727 on the property called Hernhut owned by Count Zinzendorf uh, in what is now today Czechoslovakia, but you, uh, the Czech Republic, so you, you can see the power of the mission strategy that they had. This is why we are praying in the prayer canopy 24-7, and this is why we are in the missions business that we're in, because we also want to be an outpost of mission-driven activity uh, for the kingdom. And then finally, uh, principle number six, I just want you to remember your account in heaven. Luke twelve thirty three tells you to store up treasure in heaven, to exchange your dollars and cents and your uh, resources today for eternal treasure, to exchange your time for eternal treasure, to exchange your talent for eternal treasure. And that is, that is the sixth uh, principle that I want us to keep in mind for eternity. And now let's get practical as we kind of come to a close. There are uh, a lot of ways to look at this, but I've come up with five types of givers. And uh, some of these may resonate with you. The first is the constrained giver. The constrained giver, uh, first of all, may not have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ and may not have the sense of inner joy of what he's done for them and th- therefore are not seeing the value of this generosity. But they also may be so far in debt from other choices that they can't give. In those cases, um, they're constrained. They would like to give, but they can't give. This is why we have a ministry here of uh, elders who counsel and do uh, do financial, uh, biblical financial counseling to enable people to make some choices and to get in a place to give. If that's you, uh, then I encourage you to check in at the Connect Desk, ask for a financial counseling appointment. But we also may have people who are constrained uh, because they actually need help. They actually need help. And here I want to speak clearly to those who are in need. Of course, when you're in need, you're not going to be in a position to give. But I also don't want that to stop you or, or I want you to put aside any pride and ask for help. We have helped families. Uh, this is part of allowing all the other givers to give. If you make your need known, if you make your need known, don't let pride get in the way. And lastly, there are those who are not giving because they don't think the amount they could give would matter. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you that every single penny, looking at the story of the widow and her two mites, every single penny that you put in makes you a faithful giver participating in what God is doing in the kingdom. It is your share. If you don't give because you don't have faith that it will matter to you or to the total church, then you're missing, the enemy is fooling you into this idea of comparing yourself. If you're not giving, and and, and it's because, I mean, I can give 10 bucks a week. Give 10 bucks a week. Because that is your faith gift. That's your stake in what God's doing. And you get to fully participate in everything God's doing if you will just give and make it, make it your start that you are no longer constrained by that, that stinking thinking that your small amount won't make a difference. Because as you give by faith, the church is changed and you are changed. So that's the first kind of giving. The second kind is the compassionate giver. The compassionate giver operates out of the heart and they see whether it's the Afghani church or the Haitian church or uh, the the kids uh, that are uh, being served at Casa Hogar Mama Polita. You feel it here. And you say, I'm going to give towards that. That's great. That's often a starting point because you're now starting to resonate in the heart. You're now starting to to recognize. And that that is a great way to start. Proverbs 19.17 says that if you are kind to the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will reward you. So that is a great on-ramp to giving as well, the compassionate giver. Then the the next uh, type of giver, I'm going to call it the consistent giver. This is the person who obeys 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. At the start of every week, set aside how much you're going to give. And oftentimes the consistent giver is for the first time in their life saying, I'm going to make this a regular part of my budget. And it may not be as much as they want it to be eventually, but it's a step down the road. And whether it's $20 or $30 or $40 a week, but you you set that in Venmo and you say, that is my commitment to to giving generously uh, to what God is doing here. And that is a great next step. It will give you an opportunity to demonstrate your gratitude to Jesus for everything he's doing. And it's again a great start. So we've got the conflicted giver becoming a compassionate giver. Now we've got the compassionate giver becoming a consistent giver. And then the next step is the committed giver. That is the one who says, Jesus has done everything for me. I'm going to begin tithing. Again, this is a matter of prayer. This is a matter of preparation. This is a matter of potentially rearranging your budget, rearranging uh, your household expectations. But committed givers are now coming into an encounter with Jesus. They know it's all his. They're, they're totally moving to love others and the kingdom, and they're taking a downshift in lifestyle deliberately because that is worth more to them. That is the committed giver. And uh, just to let you know, it is estimated that 5% of American Christians are tithing. So we, we are not walking in lots of obedience here as an American church. Be, why? Because Jesus knew the greatest enemy to generosity would be the God of money and the love of money. So again, you're breaking into... Uh, a level of trust and a level of faith and a level of joy that becomes worship. When you write that check every month or every week. And then the fifth type of giver is the catalytic giver. The catalytic giver obeys 1 Timothy chapter 6 verses 17 to 19. Those that are wealthy in the world. And by the way, we're all wealthy in the world. Right? We've got got a couple of Billion people living on a dollar and a half or two dollars a day. We are we are in the world, and according to First Timothy six seventeen to nineteen, that's us. And then we go beyond that. And seventy-seven percent of people who tithe eventually end up giving between eleven and twenty percent in their life journey. And this is the journey I want to call us into to step into that to have this. Uh, eternally motivated uh, investment mindset uh, creation of heavenly wealth that will that will come our way in eternity and by by catalyzing giving that will impact ministries and also impact others and your testimony will impact others around you and it is our our philosophy as a church the leaders the leaders engage in tithing. And and we do that because if the leadership is committed, then the Holy Spirit will move and bring the church along. If the leadership's not committed, then, and not modeling what we're talking about, then we're not going to see the things we're going to see. So those are the five types of givers. And I'm just encouraging you, if you find yourself wrestling with where am I, where am I, I, mean, just take the next step. Take the step forward in your giving. So Royce is going to come up. We're going to just have a, a time where we give the Lord some time to just speak to us. And I'm going to take you in a guided prayer. Uh, so uh, if you just want to get comfortable, uh, stretch a little bit, and then I'm just going to lead us in a time of prayer. Where we acknowledge these, these things in God's word, and we take we take a step forward. We take a step forward. So get comfortable, close your eyes, and um, let me walk you through a, a time of prayer. Father in heaven, we declare that it's all yours. Lord, we declare that you are so generous, Jesus. You are so overwhelming, Holy Spirit. In your presence, you have given us everything. Father, you're a good father. Every good gift. Jesus, you've given us your life. You've laid your life down for us. And Holy Spirit, you have come to dwell in us, to connect us to the kingdom of God and the ways of heaven. Lord, you're so good. So Lord, we just want to lay our lives down before you. And just imagine yourself falling forward unto the altar, living sacrifice, And if you can, you can say, Lord, do whatever you want with my time, talent, and treasure. And in your mind's eye, imagine placing all of your earthly resources on the altar. Everything you've got. Home, bank account, Savings account, investments account, boats, lake houses, cottages, whatever. Put it all up there on the altar. This is your statement to the Lord that these all belong to him, all of it. And then put your talents on the altar, all your spiritual gifts, all your earthly gifting. Put that on the altar. And then put your time. As you touch your watch, just put all your time, whatever time you have left on this earth, put that on the altar. Thank you, Jesus. And now, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to each and every one of us how you would have us deploy these things, do these things. So Lord, we listen to you for your call on our giving. We ask that the conflicted givers would become compassionate givers. And we ask that the compassionate givers would become consistent givers. And we ask that the consistent givers would become committed givers. And we ask that the committed givers would become catalytic givers. Have your way, Lord. church I just invite you to do what the Lord is pointing out and if you haven't heard anything super clearly to keep asking the question tonight tomorrow morning this week keep asking the question have your way Lord have your way Lord Go ahead and stand, everyone. I'll give you a benediction today. It comes from Luke chapter 6. Jesus said, The measure you use to give will be the measure that you receive. The measure you use when you give will be the measure you receive. Amen. So be blessed this week and a week of generosity and go and share the gospel of the kingdom with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.